Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell. Delighted to say, joining me on this week's episode is James McDaniel. James, how's it going? David, it's so great to talk to you, and I'm so excited to come on your show. Uh, I've listened to about five of them. I haven't been a, I haven't been a member of the, the Fight Game family for that long. I think I'm one of the newest people in the group, and uh, and I love the idea for this podcast, and it's a great way to get to know kind of fellow wrestling fans, and I think your, your show and kind of diving into how they got started in wrestling really gives you a better way to understand how they approach wrestling now when you're arguing with them and trying to burn them in the chat. <laughs> Have you ever done a wrestling podcast before? I did a wrestling uh, radio show for a little while uh, that was recorded at, at the... Basically, I worked for a company called Sports Talk 970, 977. It's the biggest all-sports radio station in Louisiana. It was formerly ESPN 977. And uh, one of the guys there did a wrestling podcast, and he had me on as a co-host for a little while. And it's been so long, I don't even remember the name of it. So this is definitely my first modern wrestling podcast. But you have sort of many strings to your bow, don't you, really? I mean, um, tell us about uh, the Discovery Networks. Yes. So um, for Discover, I work for Discovery Networks, and I work for basically two channels, HGTV and, um, and the Travel Channel. And HGTV is, of course, Home and Garden, Fixer Upper, Pretty Houses. And the Travel Channel is all ghosts. It's all supernatural programming. And it's kind of bizarre that I fell into both of those but uh, I have, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun working with it. And so, yeah, I do sports. I do sports radio, talking combat sports, and then I talk ghosts and houses. And now wrestling as well. <laughs> and now wrestling as well, which I'm really excited about. Because let me tell you, it is really difficult doing a weekly MMA kind of boxing radio show and not talking about wrestling because there's so much crossover these days. Like everything's kind of mashed up. And most weeks I'm usually able, it's me and kind of the sports director do this show. And I'm generally able to get him talking about wrestling at least a little bit before he starts moving it back. Because what I've learned is almost everybody in traditional sports, especially sports radio, they either watch wrestling or they used to watch wrestling. And uh, especially yeah. with the events lately, I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show, I'm hoping a lot more of them come back. So you must love it when like Floyd got involved at WrestleMania that one year, and and obviously oh, Tyson yes. Fury, Tyson Fury having the match in in Saudi and and those kind that of was, things. That was so crazy because I love Tyson Fury. He is easily my favorite boxer in the world right now, and it's so weird seeing a guy like that who has the who has look, Tyson Fury has a weird body. He's got the kind of the chicken legs and the bigger torso and he's so long and seeing him in the ring with somebody like a Braun Strowman or just a, a just a big thick guy it was so weird but I absolutely I absolutely love it I was excited to hear when one of the Paul brothers was going to be at, was going to be at SummerSlam because like right now in MMA and boxing the we talk about Jake and Logan Paul every week just like we used to talk about Conor McGregor every single week do you think Conor will ever cross over into wrestling? I think he would. I really think he would. I think he's got to get over the fact that his career, it's not done. I think Connor is still a really, really good fighter. 
but he's losing against really, really good fighters. A lot of people don't realize how good Dustin Poirier is. He's mm-hmm. a guy who slowly evolved, and um, I think Connor has to has to wrap his mind around where he's at now. But I think eventually he will because eventually I think the money is going to be too good not to. And 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 Connor can Connor can draw like nobody else. Um, really, I mean, him and Floyd are the two biggest draws in combat sports, period, in the world today. And maybe at some point we'll add the Paul brothers to that. But uh, I really hope he does. I certainly hope so. Obviously, we're here today to talk about a wrestling and how, how you became a fan in the first place and how your sort of fandom has evolved over the years. But if we were to go back to the, the very beginning and when you first sort of discovered it, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? My earliest memory of wrestling is is actually at a live show, um, and I don't. I grew up. I grew up in in a beautiful place to become a wrestling fan in South Louisiana. Uh, there were two two cities that were regular stops for Mid South: Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is forty five minutes south of me, and Alexandria, Louisiana, which is forty five minutes north. And I had kind of a set of grandparents in each city, and so I, my dad. When I was really tiny, my dad was taking my older brother, who's about eight years older than me, to these shows. And when I turned around four or five, they started bringing me along with them. And my earliest memory is we were really close. We were like second or third row from the ring. And I don't even know if this was specifically a Mid-South event because I haven't been able to go back and find this show. But Tommy Rich had gotten cut. Uh, He'd gotten busted open. And I'm... 99% 99% it was Tommy Rich. Again, I was four or five years old. And I broke free of my dad, and I ran and I dove under the fence to put my finger in Tommy Rich's blood <laughs> until my dad could grab my ankles and pull me back and hold me much tighter for the rest of the show. Uh, but I just remember I remember that giant mass of blonde hair, and I remember the blood. And so it was either Tommy Rich or Ricky Morton, because I don't think it was Ric Flair, but... Uh, so I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Rich getting busted open at a local show in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And that would have been around early 80s, like 82, 83, something like that. Right. So so which um, wrestlers really captured your imagination as a kid? Who did you sort of gravitate towards early on? My my first My first memories of falling in love with wrestling were... The Rock and Roll Express, 100%. I think I'm probably pretty stereotypical for a Southern kid who grew up in the 80s. I absolutely adored the Rock and Roll Express. Dusty Rhodes was a major one. The Junkyard Dog, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, who even though he was a heel, he like scared me because he was so big. And and, and and Jim Ross was has been the commentator from my youngest years because he was yeah. the Mid-South commentator. And hearing him put over what an incredible college wrestler he was and what an incredible football player was. It was never in doubt to me that Dr. Death was legit. And so I was in awe of him, even though I believe he was a heel, I think for most of my childhood, I could be completely off on that. Uh, He was, he was somebody that I was always, I was so excited if he was going to be on TV or be there in person at an event. The next question is the first live event you attended. So you've already you've already kind of covered that. But, but what's the first sort of live event you can really remember, sort of every detail about? 
that's a really, really good question. I think it was a few years later. It was probably in the UWF. I think they had just switched to UWF. And what I really remembered is the most, the thing I remember the most about it is there had been a new team on TV and they were terrifying. They were kind of like the road warriors, but they were faster and younger and meaner and more, more built. And it was seeing, it was seeing the blade runners. It was seeing right. Sting, Sting and rock eventually yeah. the ultimate warrior running out from the back. I was right against the fence. Um, so it was a UWF show. And I, th- I think that would be around 80, 85, 86. Oh, eight, okay. okay. 87. That's probably right. Yeah. No, it could have been on it. It could have been on it. Yeah. I remember that show really, really well. What do you, uh, what, what sort of stands out apart from obviously seeing them? What, what stands out the most from that show? The fact that the crowds, the, the, the wrestling crowds in Louisiana were wild. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> wild. I remember a man that I think is Grizzly Smith having to take a fan kind of by his collar and pull him over um pull him over the fence and throw him out like through the back um i think the rock and roll express was on that show i'm pretty sure they were because i remember at there was an intermission and i really wanted to get ricky martin's ricky morton's autograph and so they had the fans on one side of the ring go to one side and the other go to the other and i ended up unfortunately being on robert gibson's side but i was still kind of pumped like i'm still going to get the autograph of a member of the rock and roll express and um and robert gibson is like talking to every kid that comes up but like two people before i got up there there were a couple of like teenage girls or maybe a little older got his attention and the entire time i'm standing there he never once looked at me he signed my thing and kind of just pushed it back at me he's distracted by these women i say teenagers i don't mean underage i mean like 19 20 21 something like that they seemed a lot more interesting to him at the time than little like nine or ten year old me so from that point really i suppose in the mid 80s when you really got into wrestling through to through to today Right. Was there any sort of point in that time where you kind of lost interest in wrestling or, you know, you, you stopped being a fan for any reason? Absolutely. And I was never not a fan. Um, so first of all, one thing about growing up down here is it was hard to understand transitions because one, because if you tuned into the TV at the same time every week, you, it went from Mid-South to UWF to Jim Crockett to WC to NWA, quote-unquote, to WCW. And really, I was a fan consistently through high school. And then when I, when I started college, there was, I think there was a couple years there, the end of high school, the beginning of college, where I'm doing other things. I still watched, but it wasn't, I wasn't as ravenous a fan. And, but then... Then the Monday Night Wars hit, Stone Cold hit, the NWA hit right when I started college. And I had, I was, and that kind of brought me back in because everywhere I went, there was an Austin 316 shirt. And everywhere I went, there was an NWO shirt. Yeah. And what was crazy is, um, and, and I'm about to finish answering the question, but in college, we got, we got Raw on television. No, we got, um, we got Nitro, but in dorms, we didn't get Raw. And so there were weeks where all of, like where something big was going to happen on Raw, where all of us guys would would get together and try and find a place to watch it. One week we ended up watching it on the TVs at Walmart. 
One week we found a hotel room that would rent by the hour, and there's like five college age guys here asking for a room by the hour, and the 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 hotel manager was really sketched out, but he let us rent it for the hour for two hours to watch Raw. And it really, and I think that was also a part of bringing my fandom back then, was the fact that it's a group of us doing it together, and it was must see television every week. But then after the Attitude Era, um, I really started to fall off, and I can tell you exactly when I started to fall off. Um, I was working in a, in this big city, uh, not not huge city, Shreveport, Louisiana, where Mid South used to be based. Mm-hmm. And there was about 13 or 14 of us that would get together for every WCW pay-per-view and all the big WWF pay-per-views as well. And when Sting finally came down from the rafters and faced off with Hulk Hogan and Sting lost, I will never forget. Everybody just kind of stood up and wandered away. Like people wandered in the backyard, the front yard, and we never got back together for another wrestling pay-per-view ever. And I did not watch wrestling. I always kept up with it online or through friends. Um, I've got one best friend that I talk about wrestling with every day, and I have since 1992. And when I don't watch, he's watching. When he's not watching, I'm watching. And I would always keep up with it, but I didn't come back for years until actually F4W. Um, F4, like He told me about F4W. I got a subscription. And it kind of hit it off with me really quick with Brian, with the Lightning Hopkins music and the old-timey music. It let me know this is a little bit different. This isn't like morning radio with shock jocks, which most wrestling kind of radio had always sounded like to me. And I started listening to podcasts with people I'd never heard of before. I had no idea who Homicide was. And I vividly remember listening to an entire podcast he did with Homicide. And the same with the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Um I didn't know who he was, but I listened, and through that I started trying to get ROH DVDs. And then that's around the time that I started to get into. I started trying to get into TV that wasn't WWE because I would go try out WWE and I'd watch a half a show, and they'd just do something ridiculous, or they would get me into a wrestler. For instance, I'd gotten really into Shelton Benjamin at one point, right. and then they just yeah. kind of pulled the rug out from under him. No matter, they would always push somebody for a month. And you'd get into them, and then they'd pull the rug out, and they'd just bury them. And I just got so angry with that. I wanted to watch anything other than Raw and SmackDown. And so I started getting into Samoa Joe and the Motor City Machine Guns in TNA, even though TNA had a lot of problems. I mean, clearly a lot of problems. To to this day, I still have a little bit of, when somebody brings in a character that was a big deal on TNA... It takes me a while to get into them because I know how poorly run that company was for so long, even though they had some phenomenal wrestling. And so I really came back in strong a couple of years before AEW, getting into the indie scene, and uh, then AEW's brought me all the way back, like 100% all in on wrestling right now. Because you were saying before we started recording, you were never really a WWF or, or WWE guy. You always watch something else. But so the and only sort of I'll say time... this real quick. Sorry, I, I always watched WWF, but I always saw it as cartoonish. And I, I told you off the air is because I grew up. Terry Taylor was one of the biggest faces in Mid South and the UWF, and and Dusty and and I'd, I'd seen enough NWA. I'd seen enough Dusty Rhodes to know Dusty Rhodes was one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Right. I knew he could talk at the time. I knew he was great in the ring. 
And as a kid, seeing them come into WWF and, and they made jokes out of them, like the Red Rooster was an absolute joke out of a guy that I always knew as one of the uh, a good wrestler, a stand-up wrestler, a, a solid good guy. That really bothered me. So I always watched because a lot of the guys I grew up with went there. You know, they brought in Ted DiBiase, the Junkyard Dog. They brought in so many people, but I never really took them seriously. They were always the B-show to me where I know for most people, like in the last episode, Kevin was talking about how he grew up watching Mid-South, but he knew the WWF was the big leagues, and I never really saw it that way for some reason. I, I knew they were brighter and bigger and flashier, but to me... Mid-South and the NWA, they were serious wrestling. And so I always watched WWF, but I never really took them completely seriously. And so next question, you've kind of come to it already, really, was is, what are your viewing habits now? So AEW is uh, must-watch TV oh, every week it, for you. AEW, Dynamite, and now Rampage are the only two TV shows, period, that I am sitting down for when they air on TV. I'm there Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central, and I'm there Saturday, 9 p.m. or Friday, 9 p.m. Central. And first thing I do when I get up on Mondays is I make breakfast and I put on Being the Elite. And I watch BTE and I get on the frame with my buddy and we talk about was it a good episode? What was good about it? You know? Um, do that every single Monday. I don't watch Dark and Dark Elevation religiously, but when I have, I think I've been rewarded for it because they do such a good job of building people that they're going to bring to TV. Like when I saw Nick Camarado on AEW Dark, I started calling people like, you've got to see this guy. Like he looks like a, a Billy Jack Haynes. He just looks like a, a giant monster from the, like he looks like he stepped out of 1987 with the unshaven chest. And they, ha you know, and I haven't loved what they've done with him on TV so far, but he is on TV and I, and it looks like they have plans for him and I hope they do. And the same was, tr was true with Cesar Bononi. Like mm -hmm. you don't just all every day turn on what's essentially dark matches and see a guy who's six foot seven. And you find out was, considered one of the next big things in NXT. And that's one of the really cool things about dark and dark elevation. When you do get a chance to watch them is you're going to see that you're going to see the people who are coming next. And that's, and I really, I, I love that because when, when Nick Camarado and Cesar Bononi popped on AEW dynamite, I was talking about them on, on Twitter with some knowledge. Cause I'd already looked them up and, and there were major accounts asking like, how do you know this? I'm like, cause I saw them on dark and I looked them up. And that, it was a cool feeling. So aside from AEW, which you watch religiously, any other yes. wrestling at all that you check out? Actually, yeah. I love I love New Japan. I have not been watching New Japan religiously over the past year, and I'm not sure why. But I do hear a lot of people say it hasn't been great. But the thing is, like, even AEW. So I love AEW. AEW has some great wrestlers, and there's some, some okay wrestlers. There's some green wrestlers. But when you tune in to New Japan, everybody can wrestle. Like, everybody could potentially give you a five-star match, and that's always so exciting. I think in-ring, I think it's hard to argue that they're not the best in the world right now and have been for, some for time, years. Yeah. You know, I just recently went, and I was looking up Dave's... Um, I saw somebody mention something about a, a certain five-star match. So I, I went and looked up Dave Meltzer's five-star match listing, and I've seen that, like, Shingo Takagi has had like three five-star matches in the last six months or so. And I'm really excited to go download those shows and watch them. Uh, my, my best friend, my buddy, I was talking about that. I talk about wrestling with every day. He's really into GCW and he's gotten me into GCW and just the Indies in general beyond like 
and so anytime they have something interesting going on, I'm all in. I'll go tune in. You know, the pay-per-views are like ten or fourteen dollars. They're really affordable. And and what's going on right now with Nick Gage and the GCW championship and uh and, and Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, I just it's absolutely ridiculous and I love it. it it's just wild. It's a really exciting time in wrestling right now isn't it because when I've, I've said this many times but obviously when when 2001 when wcw and ecw both went out of business and it took a while for the indie scene to really sort of take off but then ring of yeah. honor became quite big and obviously tna did all right for a while and you had all these sort of startup promotions that that did okay but now there seems to be so many of them and obviously AEW yeah is in collaboration with New Japan's in collaboration with Impact Just is Triple A. Everybody, yeah. it's a really exciting time, isn't it? Right now, that is it. It really is. I haven't been this this excited about wrestling in probably twenty years because it feels like anybody could pop up at any time. Like we know, Adam Cole's contract ran out over a month ago. I don't think he signed anything new. He just kind of stayed on until this last takeover. Um, out of out of loyalty to Vince and we all think he's coming to AEW he you know and I believe I believe I've read that in NXT it's a 30 day non-compete not a 90 day non-compete he could he could end up popping up on AEW tomorrow night for all I know exactly and the fact that you the fact that I know that uh Jay White is in is in America is in Chicago and he could like any of these guys could pop up anywhere at any time. Like the fact that I'm just casually watching an episode of AEW and here's Tanahashi on the screen, that just blows my mind. There hasn't been anything like that, maybe ever. And um, I, 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 we have to protect Tony Khan at all costs. Because look, he's not flawless. There's been some bad dynamite. It's been some, uh, there's been, a, you know, they, they don't do everything correctly. They don't do everything perfectly. But this man is clearly a fan, just like you are and just like I am. And he is trying to give us what his dream of wrestling was, which is basically kind of what our dreams of wrestling was, which is anybody showing up and wrestling anybody at any time. And that is it makes me feel like a kid again. And uh, and I feel like I owe that man a lot for it. And that's what, like, look, I don't always watch pay-per-views legally, but when AEW has a pay-per-view, I try and I try and pay the 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 good my good hard-earned money for that show because I appreciate what they're doing so much. The next question, the next the next set of questions, I originally yes. called rapid fire, but quickly realized they were never going to be rapid fire. But favorite <laughs> wrestler of all time, who are you? Uh, who are you going to go for for that one? I'm going to start talking here, David, and I can tell you I don't know the answer yet. But as a kid, when I was little, it was Ricky Morton. I love the Rock and Roll Express, and I love the Rock and Roll Express to this day. And it's absolutely crazy that we still see the Rock and Roll Express competing today. The fact we saw them, (laughs) the, the Rock and Roll Express in New Japan in 2020 is crazy. And then as I got a little older, like junior high, high school, um, it was Scott Steiner. It was pre Big Papa Pump Steiner Brothers tag team Scott Steiner. You know the Frankensteiner. I'd never seen that move before. The you know tilt world suplex, tilt world backbreakers. He did amazing moves I'd never seen before. But he also delivered that big hard hitting style 
that I grew up with, with Dr. Death. It was, it was kind of a mix of what I want to see out of a Ric Flair, like the cool move, not necessarily cool moves, but really technical proficiency with what I wanted out of the road warriors or out of Dr. Death and that they could brawl with anybody. Um, and then after that, I think it, it kind of went to stone cold. Steve Austin was cause I loved stunning Steve in WCW. I was a huge mark. I thought he was going to be the next Ric Flair. And in a way he became, he definitely became the next big thing. And today it's Adam page. I love hangman Adam page so much. I love his character. I love his style. I love everything about it. I love the long-term storytelling they're doing with his character. But I think I want to give a different answer than most people give. And I think I'm going to go with Scott Steiner. I think he was incredibly, today he is incredibly underrated. I think when people think of him, they think of the big muscled up yeah. meathead who couldn't yeah. do the moves that I grew up watching him do. This is the guy that they wanted to put in the world title picture. But from what I'm told from you know Jim Ross and people on podcasts is he didn't want to leave his brother behind. And, um, and to, I just... I can't stop thinking about what would have happened if he could have been that top baby face taking that title from Ric Flair back in the day or from, or from whoever had the title at the time. So I'm going to go with pre big Papa pump, Scott Steiner favorite of all time. Yeah. There's a lot of what ifs, isn't there when it comes to him? Because I mean, imagine him rather than someone like Lex Luger. Yeah. And I think, the thing is, in ring, he was so much more exciting than Lex Luger, oh, but he also yeah. had the body. He didn't have the height, but he had that body. And look, he couldn't talk. He he wasn't. He was never a great orator, but you know, he he could yell into the mic as well as Lex Luger could. Oh, easily, absolutely, yeah. Um, favorite match of all time. This is so tough. This is so tough because their matches today. That I've seen, like the like the, that that five star match between the Young Bucks, or maybe it was a six star match between the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Yeah, it's hard to pick anything over that, but I'll give you t I'll give you two other answers because they're what I think about when I think about wrestling growing up, and that and this isn't a specific match because I could never tell you the pay per view or the show, but the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express, I probably saw that match fifty times whether in house shows or on TV, it feels like that was the feud for years, which probably means in the, you know, for like a six, seven, eight year old, that was probably something that happened for six months and seemed like years. But I loved that matchup. I loved Jim Cornette, even as a kid. I just loved him as the privileged bad guy who was a mama's boy and, and rich. So he dressed ridiculous and, and I love that back then, like I thought as a kid, when they talked about his loaded tennis racket, I kind of not knowing what a work was. I kind of thought that was a work. And now I find out the crowds were so rowdy down here. It was a shoot. Like he actually had a loaded, <laughs> a loaded tennis racket. And then when it comes to a, a pay-per-view, I think this was, I should have looked this up before the show. I think this was on a super brawl. Um, just because to me, this was as a, as a WCW NWA fan for life. Sting and Lex Luger versus the Steiner brothers. And I, and, and I think that match got, I think it ended when Nikita Koloff interfered, but up until that point, I was just a kid in a candy store. I was like vibrating that the greatest tag team of my life, you know, arguably with the road warriors when it comes to just big bruisers um, versus Sting and Lex Luger. That was the WCW version of the mega powers of Hogan and Randy Savage mm -hmm. And not the best match I've ever seen. Again, I like 
the best matches I've ever seen are probably New Japan yeah. and again uh, Young Bucks versus uh, versus Kenny and Adam Page. But I think that's probably my favorite match. I think I've gone back and watched that match more than any other from the past. You mentioned uh, Hangman Page a couple of times. I have to ask you. I mean, how do you feel about him not getting the shot at all out? Are you are you a bit disappointed in that or? I'm 100% disappointed, but I'm more concerned. You know, I think everybody's talked about this, that it doesn't feel like he would he would have pulled out that far in if it was just his wife's going to have a baby. It feels like maybe there was some, there's something to make mean he needs to be home with his wife. Might have been some complication. And I really hope that's not true. I hope they're just being overly cautious. And I heard you talking in the last podcast about are they missing... Are they missing the boat? And I would hate, I would hate to look back on this moment in 10 or 20 years and say, man, Hangman Page never really got over as a top guy, and it feels like they missed their moment. I don't think they will because I've got to give it to Tony Khan. He's done a really good job of making me care about matches I did not care about. I like Christian Cage. I like the guy. Um, much like Kevin said in, in your last episode, I wasn't that excited to see him come over. I still have a little, a little low key PTSD from, from the, the impact days. And, um, and they, and I was not at all excited. I was so upset when I found out he was going to be facing Kenny Omega, but then they book him to take the impact title from Kenny Omega. And all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little more into this than I was. They've done a really good job of putting that together so quickly. 2.0. You know, they were a tag team ever, ever, ever last. What was the name of them in NXT? Ever Rise. Ever Rise. That's right. Um, I never watched them in NXT, so I didn't know who they were. They come over. They're two little, uh, and I'm saying this effect, two geeks in wrestling <laughs> wearing what looks like nasty boy ripoff vests. And I've never been less into anybody. Never been less into anybody. And then week two, that match against Sting and Darby Allen. They make Sting look like a million bucks, and all of a sudden, I'm all in on 2.0. And they did that so easily, so seamlessly, taking me from zero interest, not like 20% or 20, zero interest on both that Jericho, I'm sorry, not Jericho, both the Christian Cage, Kenny Omega match, and just on those two guys as a tag team, that I, f I feel like they're not going to have any trouble with the Adam Page thing, because when they were kicking this off a few weeks earlier with the Dark Order confronting Kenny Omega, that had already been sitting idle for a while. You know, they, again, the 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 psychological aspects of the story had still been going on, specifically on on being the elite, which most people don't watch. But they kind of pulled it up out of nowhere and got it over really quickly because everybody was into Adam Page when he hadn't been doing a lot other than that loss um, to Brian Cage, and so I. I'm real hopeful that when they're ready to go again on that, they, they're able to pull it off as seamlessly as the rest of these things. I do have a tiny bit of concern at how many top guys they're about to have. With They've already got Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Adam Page, MJF has now gone over Chris Jericho multiple times where you have to put him in that mix. You know, Orange Cassidy has gone over Chris Jericho a number of times where you kind of can't completely keep his name out of that mix. And now we've got CM Punk and we're about to have Brian Danielson. Danielson. And who knows, Maybe who knows what Cole. they're going to be able to... Maybe Adam Bray Cole, Wyatt. Exactly. 
And yeah, and who knows how big Bray Wyatt will be able to be? Because look, I know a lot of people are negative about the guy, and he's not the best wrestler in the world. But he's been able to get himself over multiple times with multiple gimmicks. He is a he is a very very charismatic and good performer. And even if he whether they put him in in the dark order as the head or whether they don't, I think he's going to get over as a top guy pretty quickly. Not to mention Miro, Lance Archer. They have so many guys at the top. I hope. Adam Page doesn't get lost in the mix. And again, I, I don't think he will, but there's a, there's that tiny bit of trepidation that has me worried. I don't think he will either, but I think um, in a way it's good that he's not going to have this match at All Out because All Out is really all about CM Punk. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I, I don't see any way they can't have CM Punk and Darby go on last. Because it, that, that match didn't is... even mention Darby Allen, but yeah, you're right. He, he could have gotten lost in the mix, and that needs to be when he... When they face off, whether he wins or whether he doesn't, that needs to be the number one storyline. That needs to be why people buy the pay-per-view. And in, in many ways, Hangman Page's big win may have got overshadowed by, by that. And we don't know when Brian Danielson's going to appear either. I mean, there's, there's a possibility he might make his debut at All Out. I mean, we just don't yeah. know. Um, but there's obviously... so many possibilities, and, and, and like everybody's assuming it's going to be at that Arthur Ashe Stadium show September 22nd, and if it is, initially I thought, man, why spread them out so much? But now I get it, because like you're saying, like CM Punk is, is not just the story from Rampage. He is going to be the story for a while, and the like. let's say everyone's 100% right. He's going to debut what I think is September 22nd. That's going to be one month, four weeks in between, and that seems like almost the perfect amount of time that just when the CM Punk thing may start leveling off, not dying down, but leveling off, then you bring in Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan or whoever he's going to be, and everybody's going to just pop just like that. Maybe not to the same extent as CM Punk, but it's going to be the talk of wrestling for a month when he comes in too. Do you think, I mean, did, did you see much of CM Punk when he was in WWE? Because that, that would have been when you weren't really following wrestling much. So do you sort of know him more from, in a way, his sort of Ring of Honor days? Yeah, I, I saw much more of him in Ring of Honor, but I definitely, like, I got a call, and this rarely happens. I got multiple calls and texts, turn on pipe WWE bomb. right now. Turn yeah. on WWE right now. It was the pipe bomb speech. Yeah. And I started watching, again, generally they can keep me, a few episodes or a month before they do something ludicrous and lose me again. But I started watching for a few months then after the pipe bomb speech and I got, I got into things. And then he lost to triple H. <laughs> then he lost to triple H, which everybody seems to lose to triple H or at least they did back then. And I think that's exactly, I think you nailed it. I think that's exactly, I'm like, well, that was fun for a few weeks. I'm going to move on now. Well, he was going to originally, he originally was going to face Kevin Nash on that show. Re I did not know that. Yeah, he I, was originally going to face Kevin that. Nash. Because Kevin Nash came in, because Kevin Nash cost him the title when he when he won it from Cena. Kevin Nash came out and attacked That's him, right. and, and Del Rio cashed in and won the title from him. And they were going to set up a match, and I, I can't remember why. I think Kevin Nash was not cleared to go or something, and, and Triple H had the match instead. But um, I'm really glad it was Triple H instead because you're a lot less likely to get potentially crippled than by an older Kevin Nash, by an older Kevin Nash than than, than uh, with with Triple H who can at least work. Um, man, I wonder if he was going to be scheduled to lose the belt to Kevin Nash. Do you know that? 
Well, no, because the champion was um, Del Rio at the time. That's right. Yeah. See, again, I watched, but I wasn't, (laughs) I was never super into it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting to see, because, I mean, CM Punk, look at the number of guys that he can now work with. He's never worked with before. I mean... It's a dream. It's an absolute dream. It is, because, I mean, if you take away Jericho and Cody... Apart from those two guys, I can't think of pretty much anybody else he would have faced before. I don't think he's faced Kenny Omega. Um, you're right. Like, all these guys, he's, he's never faced Miro. Um, no, I mean, he wrestled Moxley, but that was when, obviously, he was Dean Ambrose. So that's, right, that's kind right. of a fresh That's kind of a fresh matchup as well. But, and that's, uh, that's kind of the big thing for me when somebody comes to... to AEW or when somebody just leaves the WWE and look I know there's a lot of people who absolutely adore WWE listening and I don't mean to I don't want to disparage you because because WWE is the number one federation for so many people and there's a reason for that they're doing something right but they have everybody wrestle their WWE style and to me what that does is it would take like a square peg and, and, and sand down the edges to fit into a round hole. They sand to me, they kind of sand off everything that makes these wrestlers truly special. And like I, I saw, um, Oh, what was the match? It was Nakamura AJ styles. Like I saw that match in new Japan. Um, and it was amazing. And then I saw it at WrestleMania and I literally fell asleep. Like yeah. people are able to, be so completely themselves when they leave and go to an indie or go to AW. And to me, that's what's the most exciting is to be able to see CM Punk be completely himself and to see Daniel Bryan be Brian Danielson again, be completely himself. And, and I'm just so excited because even if they wrestled in the WWE, this is going to be a completely different match. You know, we keep seeing Moxley in these, in these death matches, because that's how Moxley got his start. That's his true love. And even though death matches aren't necessarily my thing, I, I can absolutely enjoy them. And I'm really excited to know, like when people wonder why, why do they keep putting Moxley in these death matches? It's because he wants to be there. He's getting to do what he wants to do. And I love that. And that's when you see truly special moments, I think, is when wrestlers get to embrace the art of it and be completely themselves. And that's what I'm hoping we get to see from both of these guys and from Adam Cole when he comes in as well. And who knows? If he comes in. We'll we'll of course, of... we all hope he does come in, obviously. Yeah. 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 I'm just making a, an assumption and maybe he doesn't, but, um, and also with Bray Wyatt, one of the things I keep saying is, look, we've only, I, I've personally only seen him in WWE. And so I don't know what he would look like not wrestling, like open to wrestle whatever style he wants to. And I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing what that would look like. Well, I had, I don't know if you saw this post that I that I put on the fight game group uh, a while back, but it was now see if I can get this right now. It, it was um, Andrade with Ric Flair in his corner, yeah, versus um, Bray Wyatt with Barry Windham, who's actually his uncle because. Um, Bray Wyatt is the son of Mike Rotunda, uh, who's right. married um, who's married to Barry Windham's um, sister, I believe. So I didn't and realize they were Windham. connected in that way, and that that explains the Windham name. Yeah, because his real name is Windham Windham Rotunda, isn't it? Yeah, which uh, the, that's the most wrestling name you could ever have. <laughs> 
versus, I think I said MJF with Tully Blanchard in his corner. Oh, my God. Versus Cody versus Rhodes Cody. with Arn Anderson in his corner. <laughs> oh, that has... I, 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 I feel like Ric Flair is going to be making his way either to AEW or through AEW, and that is an absolute dream. That is brilliant. Well, did you see the, think, uh, the Andrade Omega match from uh, Triple Mania? I've watched clips of it. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but I, I, I know there was a, there's a YouTube link I have I have saved. Andrade is a guy that I had never really seen wrestle before, and I was really impressed with his uh, with I was really impressed with how they introduced him into AEW. He got over with me really quickly. It showed me that they're gonna he's gonna be pushed as a main guy. You know, he's going to be put in a position to succeed, which kind of goes back to that 2.0 thing. And I think why we're going to see a lot of people move into AEW is because even like 2.0, they were not a big deal in the WWE as far as I know. They weren't. And they got put in a position to get themselves over so quickly. Um, and I think I think Tony Khan's going to give everybody an opportunity to get themselves over. And, and Malachi Black has absolutely done that. He has absolutely done that with me, and um, I'm hoping to watch that. I'm hoping to watch that match in the next couple of days. Well, it's like we said on the on the last podcast with Kevin. I mean, Andrade and, and Alistair Black, as of course as he was known in WWE, yeah, they were two guys that Paul Heyman, when when Paul Heyman was sort of in charge of creative on Raw for that period of time, they were two guys that he really wanted to invest in and really build around, and right. Vince just didn't see it maybe it was because Heyman was so high on them I don't know but you know he just didn't see it with either of those two guys and I don't know because I mean they've been looking for that next big Hispanic star for so long since Eddie Guerrero died and Andrade could have been that guy I think and again I have a different relationship with the idea of Vince because of you know growing up in Mid-South and all that but to me, Vince McMahon is a man who should be way more successful. I think he has had all the talent in the world. He has had everybody he's wanted. And I think he is a little past, he's definitely past his prime. I mean, you're talking about a guy well into his 70s who's always been considered pretty crazy making talent decisions. And, like, I I heard, I think Jim Ross said that he once told AJ Styles, I wish I'd had you 10 years ago, and he could have had him 10 years ago. And we see him handed talent over and over, and for whatever reason, he's willing to bury people that are on his his payroll as if they're somebody else's, whether it was WCW coming in after the purchase – and um, guys like DDP getting themselves over even against Vince's will, it seemed like, to Paul Heyman's guys, to what's happening right now with Karrion Cross and his kind of ridiculous new outfit and getting kind of jobbed out on his first WWE like main card uh, show. I think Vince um, hurts himself so many times. He's had he's had everybody he needs because he's had access to literally everybody. There's no reason Nakamura. And AJ Styles shouldn't be in main events all the time. And look, he's put them on top, but not for very long. And you see time and time again where he'll he'll put a, a title belt on um oh I'm drawing a blank on a name right now from um sorry, there's a big storm coming in in the background here. Um 
From the New Day. The guy who he put the title on from the New Day. Kofi, uh, Kofi Kingston. Yeah, Kofi Kingston. And that was a big thing, and everybody was so excited about it. And then how long did that last? Like two or three weeks? How long until Brock crushed him well, in like he, 10 he seconds? Had, um, he, had it for a few, he had it a few months. But yeah, I mean, few months. When, Brock, when Brock beat him, it was literally in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So, Things like that. Um, I think I really, I kind of wish he would retire and, tri- and he would give it to Triple H, but it sounds like Triple H is on the outs because we've all seen from NXT, Triple H can produce a really, really good show. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered how Triple H feels deep down right now because um, he builds these guys up, they go to the main show, and Karrion Cross is, is, is not, the, uh, not the first guy, and he probably won't be the last guy to get treated the way he has been. It's just, uh, it's, it's baffling. I mean, Keith Lee, I mean, Keith Lee's a guy had all this upside and, and, and he goes up there on the main roster. I mean, he did beat Randy Orton, but I mean, no, he comes back and he, I don't remember who it was against, but he lost his first match back. And to me, Keith Lee is the guy, you know, Keith Lee is so good. He's so charismatic. He can work. He's everything you'd want in a, in a top guy. And, and I think that Randy Orton deal might kind of be his peak for a while. It certainly looks that way, yeah. Um, back to the questions. <laughs> the, the next question yes. is, best show you've ever attended live? So uh, what would that be? Okay, this is going to surprise, I think, a lot of people. Let me, I've got this pulled up here. Let me, so I've seen loads of great shows. I saw some WWE shows during the Attitude Era that were absolutely amazing. Um, Again, there's all the Mid-South shows I grew up on as a kid. But when it comes to really having just a a stinking blast at a show, I've got to go with something more modern. And it's not AEW and it's not WWE. It's Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 that happened in, (laughs) in just outside of New Orleans, April 2018. It was WrestleMania weekend. And... I had seen Joey Janela's Spring Break one, and it looked crazy, and but it looked like a lot of fun. So um, there were loads of F4W guys there in the building. I was bringing around little umbrellas for people's drinks, little blow-up um, flamingos to put their drinks in. I went out to my because I was watching like twelve hours of wrestling that day. I went out and changed into my Hawaiian shirt, and this was I, this was. The second time I ever got to see Matt Riddle live, I'd seen him earlier in the day. He took on James Ellsworth. Um, PCO took on Walter. I'd never seen Walter in person before. This is my first time seeing Nick Gage, seeing Penta El Zero Miedo, seeing MJF. Uh, let's see, Wheeler Yuta, who just kind of made his AEW um, name, Orange Cassidy. Dan Severn was in a match, was in a battle royal. <laughs> Ethan Page this is my first time seeing him live. Being there with the rabid indie crowd in a small venue for this wild event where um, Session Marth Martina came and grabbed my face and poured beer down my throat. And it was just so fun. It was like seeing a really hot indie band in college in like a little bar. And I just love the energy from the crowd and seeing so many talents who I didn't even like. It took a while to realize that MJF from AW was the guy I'd seen at Joey Janela's spring break lose a battle royal to the invisible man. And 
I fell in love with Orange Cassidy that weekend, and now he's one of my favorites. I always for what like I don't love comedy and wrestling all the time, but when you have somebody like Orange Cassidy or Toru Yano, who is a pretty good comedy act just in and of themselves, um, I really enjoy that. I love I love those two guys. I don't love like your Triple H's and your John Cena's trying to be comedians. I want serious wrestlers to be serious, funny wrestlers to be funny. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, there were so many guys I saw that weekend, that show for the first time that I'm going to be, John Silver was in that show. And now I fell in love with John Silver from BTE. And, and of course the work he does on dynamite when he, when he gets a shot, um, I'm going to be fans of these guys until the day I die. And, uh, I discovered so many of them in that one show. That was it. If anybody out there ever gets a chance to go, to a Joey Janela Spring Break Live, do it. It was an incredibly fun show. Well, John Silver is another guy to add to that list that you were coming up with earlier on because I think, especially now there's fans back, I think John yeah. Silver is going to absolutely thrive in AEW. I, and yes. I think if Brian Danielson coming in, to be honest with that you, John, John Silver's one of the first guys I would love to see Brian Danielson have a match with. Yeah, because we saw, like, we knew John Silver could work, but that um, that match that he and his partner had on the um, the Brody Lee tribute show, that was an awesome match. Like, that's when I realized just how good John Silver is, and I think that's pretty good. Because look, Brian Danielson is not the biggest guy, and he would look like a formidable guy. Not, I mean, not giant, but he would. I think John Silver is a great guy to start him out against who's smaller than him, but can really work, can go at a fast pace. That's a really great idea for an early match for Brian. Absolutely, yeah. The um, the last question I ask everyone on this show is um, the hardest one, so that's why I put it last, really. And, and it's one that can be answered in, in, in many different ways. But the question is, if you could change one thing about the wrestling business, what would it be? So is there one thing that you could... Do you think you know? Me... Sorry, go on. I thought this was going to be the hardest question, but I actually answered it just a little bit ago, and that was if I could pray to the wrestling gods and they were delivering me one thing, it would be look. Right now, wrestling is hot, and I love all of wrestling, but I'm not that hot on WWE. I'm keeping up with it, but I don't think they're keeping themselves as hot as everybody else. If Vince McMahon would just retire and hand over the reins to Triple H, I think this would be an absolute golden age of wrestling. Because imagine Triple H with the talent on both the NXT roster and the Raw and SmackDown rosters. Being able to book the main shows like he does NXT against AEW, who's going to still be pulling in some people as their contracts expire, I think that could put the, the Monday Night Wars to shame with the level of competition we'd get out of everybody, along with you know AEW pulling in, uh, you know people from AAA and from New Japan and and WWE could potentially be a part of this whole talent exchange, and and that would just I I, I might pass out I might pass out <laughs> how great the world of wrestling would be if that could just happen. Well, how about this? What if when Vince passes away, we see the opposite of what happened when? Vince Senior died because when Vince Senior died and, and, and Vince McMahon Jr. became the head of everything, he 
decided he wanted to compete with everyone. You know, Vince right. Sr. wanted to do business with everyone and had good working relationships with all the other promoters. But Vince Jr. wanted to put every other promoter out of business. So does yeah. Triple H... Does Triple H work with an AEW? Does Triple H work with a New Japan? Yeah, that's that's the fact. Because the thing is, if he took over, no matter what, even if he didn't work with anybody, he would put on, I think, a, a phenomenal show. Everybody that I know that likes Raw and SmackDown, they generally love NXT. They generally acknowledge it's a better show. And that's a Triple H show, or it has been. And then, so even without doing that, it would already be great. But the fact is, is you're right. He, I think he is a true wrestling fan, just like Tony Khan, just like us. And I think he, he knows, like, they're solid for years. Like, they've got the income. They've got the, 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 the Peacock deal. I think he very well might start working with everybody, and, and that would be phenomenal. Yeah, as we keep saying, it's a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Probably the most exciting it's been for, you know, you know 20 years or more. It's crazy to say that, but yeah, like 20 or 25 years and to wake up every day knowing there could be some amazing wrestling news break or so and so like, again, like I'd said earlier, Adam Cole was just on NXT uh, takeover and he can, uh, and he could end up on, on AEW tomorrow, I believe. And there's, there hasn't been anything like that since the very early days of the Monday night wars. And that's just, it just makes every little wrestling muscle in my body uh, just quiver with, with excitement, anticipation. And look, the world is in a fun place right now in 2021. There's just a lot of negativity. There's a lot of darkness. There's lockdowns. You can't really go where you want and be with who you want to be. And to have wrestling to look forward to right now, to have wrestling hotter right now than it's been in 20 years, that is a blessing for me. Because there's on on social media and so many other things in the world, there's everything you say you're gonna potentially get into a fight. And I realized, like, I want to turn back to the things I was into as a kid. Let me focus on wrestling. Let me focus on Marvel comics, TV shows. You know, and uh, those things are helping me get through the pandemic. And I think they're helping a lot of other people out there. So I think this is just a really cool period of time to be alive and to be a fan. Sounds like you're dealing with all kinds of weather right now. Yes, I am <laughs> sitting on the back porch in South Louisiana as a storm is rolling in. And you were saying, but, be- sorry, go. On. I'm loving this. I'm willing to keep going. I'm loving this podcast. Well, you were saying before we started recording that you actually uh, are not living in your home right now. Yes, last year, um, I my my house got hit directly by Hurricane Laura. And then I evacuated to New Orleans where I got hit with two more hurricanes that came in, one of which put a, a tree limb through the top of my Airbnb I was staying in. So I had to switch Airbnbs. And then Hurricane Delta came through and hit my house again. And this is a situation where, like, this is a small town of, like, 10,000 people. And people think, oh, you just get a contractor to fix up your house. Well, I was, like, number 10,000 out of number out of 10,000 to start that whole process so my house is still being worked on to this day i'm living in a small hotel but i've got good internet still set up at the house so i came over here to the back porch to to do this show today because i wanted to have good internet because i wanted this to sound good because uh i've been looking forward to being on this show since i found out about this show how awesome is it you can be sat there 
in Louisiana. I, I'm sat here in the UK and we can have this conversation like we're both in the same room. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it gives me hope for the future, you know, that, that two guys like us, half a world apart, can come together and just kill an hour or, t- or two hours or whatever just talking about wrestling and our love of wrestling. And like I said, that's that's what I'm trying to focus on these days. I'm really focused on wrestling because wrestling's happy and wrestling isn't negative and and it's always brought me joy and I'm glad that it can bring you joy and the other people listening and, and all the other people out there from the fight game media world to the F4W world to all the people that watched Dynamite last weekend. And uh, I'm just glad to be a part of this and along for the ride. Because you haven't been in the Fight Game podcast group that long, and neither have I really. I, I think I'm coming up on about a year. I think it was like September of September of 2020 that I became a member, and I think it was right around the time of the the G1 was just about to start, and of course the, the G1 oh. is is right around the corner. So you haven't been following New Japan that closely, but is is the G1 something no. that you would like to uh, to follow? I am committed. I'm going to watch every episode of the G1 this year. As soon as the English commentary comes out, I'm hoping it'll be live, but I don't think it was last year, is why I ended up not watching the G1 as closely as I should have. But I'm excited about it because, I, you know, I, I again, I'm a year removed, so I'm excited to jump back in and get re-immersed into what New Japan's doing. And I'm hearing that people like um, Brian Danielson are, are wanting to be a part of it. So I'm really, really excited to get in on it this year, and uh, and I like I'm all in on the G1 2021. Because last year was great, but the one thing we obviously missed out on was the guys coming over to Japan to to take part in it. The only sort of non-Japanese guys we had were guys that were in Japan anyway, like Jay White and and, and Jeff Cobb. But this year, there's options. The options are endless. I mean, you could have, like I say, Brian Danielson could be in it. I mean, CM Punk could go in it you never know it's 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 a really exciting g1 this year for sure because moxley i think moxley was in the 2019 one um i think so he could possibly uh be in this this, this is one as well but we'll see but anyway um the weather actually it seems to have died down a bit now have you uh, i actually picked up my laptop and moved inside because i was getting wet <laughs> i was gonna say it sounded like it sounded like me uh, you may have headed indoors yeah uh, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you loose. Um, but we could talk for a lot longer, couldn't we? We 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 really could. There's so much uh, ground to cover, there's, and and this yeah, podcast so much I mean, happening every day. Yeah, and this this podcast is um, obviously I've got the set of questions I ask everyone, but we just go off on the tangents and we and we talk about all kinds of things. And uh, yeah, I mean you never know where the conversation's gonna gonna go, and that and, and that's great. But um, just before we wrap up, a couple of gotta gotta get a couple of uh, plugs in uh, for the shows um, you were talking about at the beginning of the at the beginning of the uh, program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a producer and host for the Discovery Network. So if you want to, ch- sadly, that's where I lost the connection with James. I don't know if maybe he had a power cut or something like that because of the. Uh, terrible weather he was experiencing but um if you go on facebook you can check out his work on the hgtv and travel channels they both have facebook pages uh, you can check out and also he has worked on the tv shows haunted live and haunted salem live 
on the Discovery Plus streaming service. It was great to have James on the podcast, James McDaniel, and I thank you very much for joining me. And uh, do join me again next week for another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast.